There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Asking Robbins always finds out. I'm for the faster, baby. Are you Tony's stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo. We've got Peaches. We've got Chris here. And guess what? We're back. A dinosaur story. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. I cannot hear the phrase we're back without mentally adding that to it. So I appreciate. I don't. I don't know if I just never noticed this before or what, but I liked you doing freestyle rap hand motions while you were saying <laughs> yeah. the intro, yeah. like just back and forth. Yeah, like man. maybe we do need to start filming this. Yeah, <laughs> I think we maybe should. I yeah, don't people know. should see. It's a whole. It's a whole process that I do. You know, I get yeah. get really into character mm-hmm. as I. Do can this. you do the next the next intro? Can you do it as if you're like that guy that does the Eminem impressions? You know what I'm talking about? That guy on TikTok who's he like wears the hoodie and he's like, "We've got a C to get our degree." I'm out here doing things okay, when, on the street. When you said Eminem impressions, I thought that he did like red and yellow and like. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't do the green one though. Ah, they do exist. Yeah, yeah. Ever since they changed her shoes, like Fry, like Fry. I could also like try to do one as Christopher Walken. What's going on? Guys, welcome back <laughs> to an episode of Assembly Required. You're okay. gonna Shatner now. Go. We're gonna end up. We're gonna end up getting requests now. We've maybe doomed doomed you for future intros. Let me tell new, you, new Patreon tier. You get to Eduardo <laughs> <laughs> an impression for him to butcher. I, <laughs> I like it. So. It's been a little while. It's been, been a while. while. <laughs> We're going to get DMCA'd. <laughs> Don't do this to us, Creed. <laughs> they won't, because that's not them. It's stained. It is? Yeah. <gasps> well, Creed won't do it, then. You're yep, right. Yeah, you're yep. right. Scott yeah. Step. We're cool. Don't do this, Creed, and you won't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's been a little while. We wanted to give you guys maybe just like a little bit of an insight as to what's been going on. Uh, not much. You know, <laughs> we've all kind of just had life going on in a lot of different ways. I think the beginning of the Disney Plus era of the MCU had us putting out a lot of episodes in a really short amount of time. And it ended up becoming something that was a little unsustainable for us, I think. Uh, I'll at least speak for myself and say that I was for sure burnt out. There were, you know, we were doing a lot of episodes, we were doing a lot of stuff, and you know, making a lot of promises that we probably shouldn't have made because we definitely weren't able to keep them. Um, but I think now that we've all taken sort of some time off, we're all a lot more rejuvenated and we're ready to talk about um, some Marvel stuff again. So thank you everybody for your patience, and for those of you that have stuck around on Patreon, we really, really appreciate it. It does still cost money to just kind of keep the episodes up even if we're not uploading them. So we still appreciate the help so that we can keep those things up uh, for you guys to enjoy. So thank you so much and, and, and welcome back. You know, it's funny. I didn't even realize, I mean, I realized it, but until you just said it out loud, I hadn't like conceptualized it that we 
were going at our own pace and then we were going at the pace of Disney Plus. Exactly. Yeah. So we were yeah. just putting out episodes whenever we wanted to and then suddenly we were every week putting out an episode and it felt like when we missed a week we were doing something wrong. Yeah. yeah. And then I think the beginning of 2023, like this year, like a lot of things happened to just about everybody to yep. really mess up our schedules. A lot of stuff going on in people's personal lives, work, whatever. It just made it very, very difficult. And uh, But now we can confirm, no, we did not just watch X-Men Origins Wolverine and go, we're done. Never mind. <laughs> I, I didn't say that to you. I said that to Chris. I was like, I wonder if the perception of anybody was that we're like, we're going to cover all these X-Men movies. And then we did three followed by Origins, and we were like, fuck this shit. I'm out. Can't do this. A friend of mine... Literally messaged me the other day asking, goes, hey, is Assembly Cry? I said, we are recording on Saturday. And he said, good, you can't end on X-Men Origins. I was like, yeah, that's what we were, we were That's saying. a good point. It's a good point. Listen, it, uh, can, if that was the case, could you blame us? Could you blame us? That movie was rough, buddy. I haven't been on the show in a very long time. I wasn't even on that one. No, you I weren't. Missed, uh, last one I was on was X, X2. Wow. It yeah. has been a long time since mm, you've been on. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you your theory, uh, your opinions on those two movies because I, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't want to think about those I two movies I, ever I, <laughs> I haven't rewatched them, I, I will admit, because I knew I wasn't going to be able to be on those episodes because, again, like I said, that was a time when I had a lot of stuff oh. going on. Um, I would like you to have to. I, yeah, I, I want I, you to do it because we had to. When we do get back to the X-Men stuff, because I, I know we intend to at some point, um, you know, probably, probably when Secret Invasion is over, we'll probably start dipping our toes back in those waters. I will rewatch those um, because I'm going to need to be able to rank them, even though I know they're the bottom two. I haven't decided what order yet. <laughs> um, I say this not having seen Dark Phoenix. Maybe that's going to sneak in there. But uh, but yeah, that I the first time I, I've only watched each of them once, and they are bad. Um, one of them is bad because of the writer's strike that happened then. So, uh, hey, they're making another Deadpool movie during a writer's strike. Uh, with Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds, what could go oh, wrong? Oh no! Oh shit! <laughs> you know he's. They not... have not paused writing for that. No, so they haven't the paused production. Yeah, they have oh. paused writing. So the okay. script has already been written. Okay. And because there is a writer strike, Ryan Reynolds is not allowed to do any improvisation. He is only allowed to do exactly what is on the script. Which is very different than the first two Deadpool yeah. movies. Yeah. So they really, they should have just shut down production. Yeah. yeah. Why don't they just pause? Well, they will next week when the actors go on strike. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, okay. Fair enough. Solidarity. Hmm. That also is weird. I guess that must be rules of the union or something. Mm. Yeah, no, there are very, spe well, I'm probably going to get into this later, but yeah, there are some specific rules about like what can and can't be done. Uh, no writing work is allowed to be done. At all, anything that would be considered rewriting on set that cannot and that, happen, and that and ad libbing counts. as Ad libbing that. would count as that. Um, huh. I, uh, what about for certain landing? people, what? but <laughs> for for Ryan Reynolds, that counts because he is also a writer of the script. Oh, he is okay. credited as a writer, so he cannot edit his own work. He can, yeah, he cannot improvise now <laughs> because that would be him doing writing work. Yep. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, like. Yeah, like um, <laughs> yeah, we're recording. <laughs> Bailey said something like, you couldn't hear. It. I, Bailey's like, I don't want to be on this episode, and then boom. 
I give her a oh, headset clearly. mic. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we never do that when we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> Worst part is going to have to cut all this because no one's going to be able to hear her. I don't know. We'll find out. No, 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 no. no. Uh, who's doing the sound? It's going to have to be one of you guys because yeah. I did the notes. Yeah, yeah. Even though they're, they're not very difficult. Uh, <laughs> but either way, yeah. Whoever uh, does the notes, just do your best Bailey voice and put it in there. <laughs> all right. <laughs> But yeah, another writer strike story. Um, the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie uh, was filmed during the writer strike. They had the script done, huh. um, and J.J. Abrams talked about how it was frustrating that he could not, like, if he thought of a better version of a line, he was not allowed to tell the actor what that was because that would be he'd be a scab then. And um, Alex Kurtzman and um, Roberto Orsi, if I'm getting their names right, hopefully. You know, the, the 9-11 truther and Alex Kurtzman. Um, <laughs> they um, they were allowed to be on set in their roles as producers, but they were but they also wrote the screenplay, so they were not allowed to do anything else. Hmm. Yeah, it was interesting stuff. I remember that movie being good. It maybe, was good. Maybe you know, they some, wrote really well. They ev- didn't need the improv. I think that they, um, I think that the strike ended before filming was done. Everyone's, you know, some good things, you know, not everything ends up being crap during a strike. Um, but there are a lot of things where it's like, you really ought to just stop. Just wait until until it's over. Anyway. Yeah, those are basically my feelings on Secret Invasion. <laughs> you <laughs> hey. might as well just stop. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone. Today we're going to be talking about Secret Invasion, Episode 1, <laughs> Resurrection by Ali Salim. Written by Kyle Bradstreet and Brian Tucker. Uh, Lee Salim was directed. My apologies. Street's directed by Lee Salim. All and, right. And uh, he's directing every episode. Is he? Yeah. All right. This uh, summary comes to us from Collider. I hardly know her. <laughs> Everett Ross heads to a clandestine meeting with an operative agent called Agent Prescott who is obsessed with the idea that scrolls are trying to take over the world by bringing about a gl- uh, global war. I called basically at the beginning that uh, this guy, Ross, was a scroll. I don't want yeah. you to feel like you didn't do a cool thing, but I feel like that was very obvious. It was very clear <laughs> from like the, the, like the exact beginning that I was like, oh, he's a scroll. Right, because you're like, he's not in this show. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, was t- I was saying this to Chris on the way here. I wonder if we're going to, I mean, maybe this will, the bit has already revealed itself and it won't be a surprise because of this, but they could, in a scroll show, they could put a bunch of cameos in from other MCU actors. They could, but that would also mean that the person has been like snatched. I guess it doesn't technically have to mean that. Do you think? Yeah, I don't think that. I don't think that Ross. Yeah, not was. necessarily because. Um, yeah, I, now there is a chance that Ross has been snatched, and they will has. rescue him, and he actually will end up being a part of the show at some point. Mm. Maybe like an episode four or five or something. So I don't. We might not have seen the last of Ross, especially if he has been working with Hill and Fury sure. and all of them. Which is an interesting wrinkle to his character, and I'd love to see more of that because we've really only seen him in the context of you know him working with Wakanda so far. Isn't that his main comics role though? Isn't isn't Everett Ross basically just like a side character for Black Panther? I couldn't tell you. I honestly don't remember. I think he is a Shield agent. Okay, Um, but yeah, I think he is maybe specifically the Black Panther comics. Speaking of the writer strike, though, 
and other related topics, we didn't talk about the intro credits. Well, the intro doesn't come till after this That's true. scene, so let's get there. Oh, it and, doesn't? And then, and it does not. No, there's this scene first, and then it's the and then Hey, it's the I'm stupid, credits. everyone. <laughs> no, it's, it's logical to think that the intro would happen <laughs> at the forgot. start of the episode. I forgot. I did that thing that I it's cold open. was doing on uh, the opening day of Marvel Plus shows, and I watched it first thing when I woke up that Wednesday instead of working. Just kidding, my job. No, I didn't. Uh, so it's been a minute <laughs> since I saw it. He says they're doing this by faking terrorist attacks that provoke nations to turn on each other. Haven't heard that one before. Uh, Prescott believes that the Skrulls, after 30 years in the shadows, want to take Earth as their new home. Ross is dismissive of Prescott's theories, reiterating that the handful of Skrulls on Earth are allies, ally working with Fury. Ross also reveals that Fury is on Saber, the space station first shown in Spider-Man Far From Home, and that he'll need a lot more evidence to bring him back to Earth. But Prescott has that covered. He gives Ross the details of an impending attack, which he refers to as the one that sets the world on fire. Ross agrees to take the information to Fury, but Prescott suddenly suspects Ross of being a scroll and attacks him. Ross kills Prescott in the struggle and escapes with the evidence, calling Maria Hill for an extraction. While he tries to make it to the rendezvous, Ross is chased by a strange Russian-speaking man. After a tight chase sequence, Ross falls off a building, landing conveniently in front of Hill's car. He tries to save Ross, pulling a gun on the stranger, who reveals himself to be Talos. Ross dies, turning back into his natural scroll form confirming that the conspiracy is real. That fall was violent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I did not expect that. The way he landed felt like almost like the boys. Kind of. Like with how much, just how, I don't know. It was visceral. Yeah, it was kind of a lot. I I don't know. Uh, my initial impressions on the show are Marvel asking a really daring question. What if we got all of the old people of the MCU and put them in a show together. <laughs> and that's kind of what this is to me so far. Uh, and it's, it was just like, man, they really just took all the old people and put them in here. Like, you don't even mean like from the beginning of Marvel, you mean literal old literal humans? old human <laughs> beings. Samuel Jackson is so much older than I think he is. Every time I find out his age, I'm like shocked. Is he he's in like, the 80s? He's like 74 or Okay. Something. I'm gonna Sorry. Look it up right now. I Sorry. looked it up when we watched it. He's in his seventies. Yeah. I don't remember exactly where in his yeah, 70s. he's he does not look like he's, he's in his shockingly 70s. old mm-hmm. for how young he looks. Yeah. I mean you know what they say. Hollywood helps you not age. Doesn't yeah, because you, you have money to do plastic yeah. surgery. It's pretty crazy. I mean that's another thing they say, but I feel like I can't say it, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Bailey's cackling about because I don't know. Because she saying. knows what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, he is seventy four. He was born in nineteen forty eight. Mm. Wow. So the credits. For those that do not know, the credits are actually generated by AI. Chris, I want to hear your take on this. Uh, I, I want to see where your your feelings are on this because I don't know uh, if I agree. So let's find out. Well, okay. So my, my feelings have changed in the ever so slightest way now that I've actually seen it because I only had heard about it when I sent the message to our group saying, I apologize for the soapbox I'm going to be getting on. Still getting on the soapbox, but I will temper it a little bit from, you know, my initial rant that I thought I was going to have to do. AI, uh, air quotes, because this is technically a generative algorithm or whatever. It's So it's not technically artificial intelligence, but everyone calls it AI as a shorthand. 
whatever. You know, this is some mid-journey looking stuff. Um, they say that the reason they did it for the show is they wanted the opening credits to make you uncomfortable and just kind of be sort of uncanny. And given that, like, the you know, the monologue that Prescott has at the beginning of the episode when he's talking about what if you couldn't believe everything, you know, that your eyes see. That's not that hard to imagine because the world is like that. And yes, he's true. That's true because as we've seen, you know, it's very easy to have, you know, the last three presidents arguing over, you know, a Zelda tier list now uh, and for it to sound right and natural and people can do deep fakes and other stuff. And, you know, this is, you know, we're coming up on an election cycle in here in the U.S., and it's going to be the first major election cycle where that's going to be an actual big issue. Like we've already had, I think, like Ron DeSantis has been using AI images in some of his campaign stuff because, of course, that asshole is. But um, sorry for all the DeSantis fans that I'm sure we have listening to us. Um, Go fuck yourself. I'm sorry for us if we have DeSantis fans. Sorry. If you're a DeSantis fan, I'm sorry, but. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. I, don't, I don't. That's Haley Williams. Hell yeah, Haley. Wow. Well, no, no, no. Haley Williams also said, "Fuck DeSantis." I want to make it clear that we're not saying fuck Haley Williams. No, she. Oh well. I, well, <laughs> well, the unmarried person might be saying that. Well. <laughs> Call me uh, anyway. Yeah. So wow, I just got way off track there a little bit. Anyway, so right. so that's going to be an actual issue, like in this. Uh, election cycle for us is that you know people are going to be putting out like ai generated stuff and like as if the spread of disinformation wasn't already bad enough uh in this world it's it's going to get harder and harder to tell what's real and what's fake um so from that perspective using ai generated art we could call it that is an interesting choice and does make some thematic sense. So I will give them that. My problem is uh, is kind of twofold. One is that I don't trust studio executives to stop there. I, I do not think that studio executives are going to say, well, we'll only use AI when it's artistically, uh, you know, or thematically relevant. They are, there is nothing that studio heads and producers and bosses in general love more than not paying people. And I think that it is borderline antagonistic for them to put out an AI generated opening credit sequence when that is literally what the writers are on strike about right now. Um, Peaches and I talked a lot about the writer strike on the drive over here tonight um, and how one of the major issues, you know, at, at stake here is that the, uh, the writers are asking that uh, the, um, and apologize to what whichever one of us is editing because I'm already taking so many pauses because I haven't done this in so long. Uh, How about the one of us that does the pausing the most? That's the editor. Oh God. Okay, I'm going to talk so fast now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I lost my train of thought. God, what have I done? Choo choo. I've doomed myself. Doomed. Doomed. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So so one of the issues that's taken this writer strike is that the writers want to make it uh, you know, part of their contract that uh, producers and studios cannot use AI to generate what is called literary content. So anything that is actually written, scripts, 
uh, literary material, they call that. So anything that might be used that way. And the counter offer from the studios for that was, no, we'll still do it, but we'll have a meeting with you every year to let you know how it's going, which is just absurd. <laughs> um, because cause what the studios want to do is they want to have AI generate a script, a basic you know structure, story structure, script, whatever. And then they can hire a writer for cheaper because they'd be doing a rewrite. Uh, so that's that's part of what it is. So a lot of AI stuff is going to be people trying to cut corners, eliminate jobs. Um, and that makes me uncomfortable to see a big studio doing something like this. Again, if this is as far as Marvel goes with AI, great. You know, then sure, it made some thematic sense here. And I can kind of roll with that. I think they could have gotten the same effect by getting artists to do it because, you know, H.R. Giger and Hieronymus Bosch didn't need AI to make disturbing images. But yeah, that's a good point. They could have just hired somebody to make art that looked like AI art. Yeah. Um, or disturbing in a different way. You know, it's, you know, there, there are things that could have been done. Again, this, it is an interesting choice. After having seen it, I didn't viscerally hate it the way I did when I first heard that they used AI. Again, my concern is just more that I don't trust movie studios to stop there. That's that's my issue. I'm not against it necessarily as a tool. I'm not even getting into the problems that come with like where are these image, you know, what are the images were these trained on? Um, are they? training on copyrighted material that they don't actually have the right to train on? Are they training on like artists who did not consent to have their art used in AI training? Uh, so that's a whole other uh, a thorny issue there. I did read that, you know, the studio that created these credits had their own in-house proprietary system. So that may have been all above board how they did that there. Um, but you'd never really know. And that's, you know, there are a lot of artists out there in general who are like, I do not want my art to be used as a training model for these things to start, you know, cribbing my style and all of that. You know, when people can type in, I want a painting of a person that looks like it was done by this person. Like the, you know, the trend that was going on with like, uh, what if Wes Anderson did star Wars or something, you know, and that's, that's a whole other issue there so yeah that's that's my ai soapbox it wasn't as here's a behind the scenes for you listeners um chris actually is not here today we actually asked chat gpt to write and then voice it was crazy when everything that he just started putting in the thing about their own pauses and then when they put in that thing about uh, how they'd lost their train of thought because they had paused so many times. It's really good. It was, it was incredible. It's we really good. We asked this bot to listen to 1,000 hours of assembly required <laughs> and then see retrospective. That's why it wrapped the opening. Yeah. Chris, I don't necessarily disagree with you about the pitfalls of AI and where it could head. I just don't think... I think that's like a bridge we have to cross when we get there. Like, I think as an emerging technology, I don't think our first reaction should be, oh, no, we should not have this uh, because it could lead to these bad things down the road. I think 
it could lead to some bad things down the road. But right now, as it stands, I think it was fine for the show. Like, I think it made sense. I think the way they used it made sense. It didn't, you know, like, honestly, they were they were okay credits. Like, they weren't, like, incredible. They didn't yeah. make me feel anything. They were just like, oh, yeah, these are kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they, I think it, it, it achieved what it needed to do, which is it kind of made me uncomfortable. Like, it was just, like, a lot of really weird thing looking things. I also think it is a pretty simple explanation why they didn't get an artist to make AI looking art because that's just an extra step why didn't they, they just used ai like but, but that's see, what he's that's worried about what i'm saying is like if hiring an artist becomes an extra step well no but like a- <laughs> sure but like that is specifically hiring an artist to make art that looks like ai if your goal is to make ai art specifically i'm not saying uh-huh. hiring ai to do an artist's work i am saying hiring an artist to make something that looks like ai just how how would you even sell that financially to like your board? Be like, hey, yeah. we, we want to use what this to look like AI, but we don't want AI to actually do it, so we're gonna hire someone else to make it look like an AI did this. Or I'll, or I'll push back a little bit is like the interviews I've read with them. They didn't talk about how they wanted it to look like AI. They talked about how they wanted it to look disturbing and off and wrong. Sure, but and like, you can have an artist do that. I mean, I think you can have an artist do that, but you can also have AI, like I think using AI to it, it, as a point of like almost like grotesqueness uh, like uh like uh disturbing like i think it doesn't necessarily paint ai in a good picture it's like hey we're gonna use ai because it makes people look so fucking weird that it would really <laughs> fit with our credits yeah. <laughs> like i think that's like I think, I think it would be great if the show actually you could tell the scrolls because they all have nine fingers on each hand. <laughs> yeah. Because so they usually get like limbs wrong. Why is there an yeah. eyeball in his ear? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also think we are very far away from generative AI and things like that being things that are going to be used on like a common basis like that. Like I don't actually think that we are there yet i will say that when people are actively striking because of it right now and the studios are saying no we don't want to write this off we want to keep our options open to maybe use this someday Mm -hmm. i'd say we are at that bridge that's 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 where i would disagree with you there well i think we're not at that bridge because it's not actually happening yet it is a preventative measure it is not like we're like oh we're the ais are snatching up jobs left and right it is like oh no we're really scared of AI because AI could do this thing in the future. So we want to take preventative measures now in our contracts now before we get to that point. Mm. I, and I think that's where I differ. That's where I disagree with you. I don't think we're at that bridge yet. I think people can see the bridge far in the distance and they go, I don't want to get to that point. Mm. So I want to put a blockade. I want the Berlin Wall here right now Yeah. Uh, before we ever get there. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily something that's like feasible for... Like I don't, I don't think the writers will win that one. The, the, I mean, at least not right now. Well, if they don't win it now, they're never going to win it. That's the thing. Interesting. I, 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 I disagree. Uh, the the, well, I my sympathy is always going to end up lying with the the artists on this one. I think. Um, well, and but, I, I don't necessarily think it's a matter of sympathy. I also don't have a lot of belief for AI. I don't ever actually believe that an AI can do the job that a human being can do to the degree like I don't think an I, AI is capable of making art in that way I and, agree with that uh, where, where I would disagree and and I think this is what's at issue here um you know as far as like the strike is going and you know the actors are probably going to go on strike and AI is going to be an issue there too because we're seeing more and more 
you know, they're bringing back dead actors, you know, to do stuff. Sure. And granted, yeah. a lot of times they, they have, you know, the permission of the estates or whatever, but, um, you know, it's, they're finding new ways to use this. And again, I, I don't think that every single way it could be used is bad, but where I see the problem is that I feel like I can pretty safely guarantee that any place that they can f- use it as a cost-cutting measure to, to make the shareholders happy uh, to, you know, either cut some people out of the equation, whether it's we're going to have AI generate this concept art that we're going to use, mm-hmm. uh, and then we'll bring in artists later to iterate off of that sure. to clean it up. And we can pay them at a lower rate because they're not the initial concept artists. They're just, you know, Clint working out of this. Or we're going to have AI generate you know, a sample script, and then we're going to hire someone at a second draft rate instead of a first draft rate, which is a lower rate. That That's where that's why you're seeing, you know, like the writers say that this is an existential crisis for the profession in this moment because they feel like if they don't cut it off now and with how fast AI has improved over the last year or two. I mean, if you remember AI art... A year ago was, you know, Mid Journey and Dolly and all of that stuff. And it looked funny. It looked bad. And you could tell it was AI. And now it is exponentially more sophisticated at this point yeah, already. You, you could trick a dumb person. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, it's, but it, it's, yeah, you can trick people. But the, the point is not, is that it is already so much more sophisticated than it was a year ago. What's going to look like a year from now, two years from now, if it is improving that fast, by the time the next uh, contract negotiation comes up, the studios might be like, no, we like things the way they are now. We're going to um, and they're gonna, the writers and are going to lose their. We leverage. can literally get chat GPT to write us a grocery list like yeah, but <clears throat> a grocery list. Uh, again, it is where I disagree. A, a grocery list is an art. I, I, I think. Personally, I'm just talking about the development of what oh, it can for sure. do. For sure, yeah. absolutely, it's come but, a long way. But I think, at least for me, I don't see even if say you did have be like, we're going to have ChatGPT make storyboard art for this. Where are they getting the story from? Did we have ChatGPT write the story? Because if they did, I don't think it'll be a good story. Like I think people, and maybe it's just my false. Uh, a belief in people, I think people would be able to tell the difference. Well, that's that's the the thing that is scary is the order of operations is to save money. They'd say it won't be Chat GPT. Sure, but sure. For the purpose of understanding, yeah, we're gonna call it that. Chat GPT, <laughs> write us a series of television, uh-huh. and then they'd beep boop boop. They'd poop out a shit thing, but it's a base. Okay. Then they'd hire Chris to come in and say, "Okay, here's your base. Edit this." And because this is already doing air quotes, people written, I'm going to pay you 80% of what I was going to pay you or 70% or whatever. And now he's basically writing the whole thing anyway, because chat GPT did such a shit job. I think it is fair to want a full wage for that. Yeah. However, I also think that show would be bad if you did a, like if, unless you did a full rewrite of the whole thing, I think the show would end up being bad. Like, I don't think you can fix the problems that AI has about not being human. 
And I think that that is the, 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 where I see like some of these problems might actually just fix themselves because people will create these well, AI projects and be like, oh, actually, people fucking hate this. Let me ask so you weird. something about that, though, because yeah. I agree with you. I think that that is a problem that they, a, a, a smart person, an intelligent person, might look at something that chat GPT shits out and go, well, that's not very compelling. Like, I don't want to sell that to an audience. But a person who runs a company and wants to cut costs and save money might go, you know what? We get butts and seats. I don't really care. Yeah, but that's, at the end of the day, that's that company is dooming themselves, in my eyes. In my eyes, that company is will eventually go under because people are not going to continue to watch these movies. Like, Although, like you said, though, like you have to bring in a writer, do a full rewrite to actually make it good. Yeah. But if they're doing that and then, pay, you know, they're basically rewriting it from scratch, but they're not getting paid like they're rewriting it from scratch. Yeah, but I think that is a separate problem. I think being told, hey, you're doing rewrites and then you're re- writing a whole new script is completely different than saying you're doing some edits on an AI-created script. Man, I've watched I've watched Disney while I worked for them make stupid enough decisions for too long to not also believe that they will do that to save money. I am not saying that yeah. companies are not going to take try to take yeah. every, but I think that those are different issues than what we're discussing. Like I think being told that you're doing some bit of work and then you're actually doing significantly more not being paid for it is a struggle that every union should be a part of. Mm. Like if you are doing more work than what your job says you are, that is just, that's, that's union one oh one, And that's something your union should absolutely mm. take care of. And I don't even know if AI necessarily even has to be a part of that. Like if someone wrote a really that's shitty true. script and you came in and you rewrote the script, you're not going to be like, well, uh, just cause I rewrote some of it. You just, cause you rewrote some of it. We're only going to pay you this much. Like I think, like I don't think a human can improve an AI script enough without doing significant, significant rewrites for it to to be good. Yeah, I'm not arguing with that. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Well, I, I mean, and, I agree with you on that. And, <laughs> sure. and so I, I think, I just don't think that's going to stop them. <laughs> yeah, and I think that they'll fail for it. Like I think, like I think that this. It will. They would deserve to fail. <laughs> well, and I think yeah. they. I think they will. Like, yeah. I, the the thing with AI is that it's not something that you like pick out in your brain. You're not like, oh, AI. You don't just like play it. You it, you're just like it. Like it makes you feel funny. Like you see an AI picture and you're like, this looks wrong, and yeah. I can't explain what's going on. And eventually, you'll find like a six finger or like <laughs> some like lady that has two heads. But like when you're first looking at it, you're like. I don't know what this is. My my instincts, my body tells me that this is wrong. Like something is wrong here. And I don't think you can create a script or a storyboard or specifically like animation. Like I saw someone post like, this is the future. And it was some sort of an, um, uh, AI generated anime mm-hmm. that was like, it was like a one minute fight scene. And it was the worst thing I had ever I seen. D- well, don't ever show me that, please. Netflix <laughs> already put out an animated show. I forget. It was some anime where all the backgrounds were done by AI generation. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. And that's background artists. That is a whole category of of artists right there that now they did not have to pay. Sure. You know what, though? I think a big difference in that, Eduardo, is that if you look at a, a picture that was generated by AI, uh, that's much different than listening to the final result of a script that was initially written or rewritten by AI because an actor can improvise some of those things. They can change some of those things, but the initial work was done 
by a non-human. Whereas like the AI pictures you're seeing, no one's going back in there and going, let's get rid of this extra finger. Sure. At least yet. But also... Except for that one TikToker who's taking all the pictures of porn. (laughs) (laughs) And making them bigger. They're so funny. But... And what I would say to that is a bad story is a bad story. And while you wouldn't necessarily feel that uncanny valley at any one specific moment, you might leave that movie and be like, whoa, what the fuck was that? Like, the actors were doing... I mean, how many times have you left a movie going, man, the actors are doing a good job here, but boy, was that not good, <laughs> you know? like, And that's how I feel like I would leave an AI movie. I guess mm. my belief in AI is so low that I don't... I guess that's where I'm at here. My belief in capitalists are so low (laughs) that I think that's not going to matter. Yeah. That's fair. That's that's where the... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The strike is going to be interesting. I do believe very little in both of those things. You know what's so crazy? I think this is so much more of an interesting conversation than we are going to have about the episode. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is a really interesting conversation. I'd love to continue it, but we have an episode to talk about. Yeah. And I think this will be the highlight of the episode. (laughs) Yeah, this is an interesting conversation. Yeah, tell I, us what you think about AI. Yeah, I'd love to hear. Yeah, or or uh, or uh, plug into ChatGPT. Um, tell us why you should not use AI to uh, write a television show <laughs> and see what it says. Because I've actually seen them do that, and like ChatGPT says, one thing that you'll be missing is the human soul. <laughs> and, <laughs> Uh, AI does not actually have life experience. It is just spitting out uh, from uh, data it's been fed before. You're huh. missing the actual life experience that a writer would bring to it. It's like, yeah, you're it's right. Nice it's nice and scary that AI knows that. Yeah, I agree. Well, here's the thing: is that's that the again, kind of thing that AI goes. I wish I could have a soul. And that and that's how do why I get calling one? it AI is <laughs> technically incorrect yeah. because it doesn't know anything. It's an algorithm uh, that's just, you know... Don't say that too loud. It's going to hear you. Putting dude. words together. Well, right now, <laughs> it's just putting words together based on a prompt, based on what it has seen you guys, related to those words bro, We are so things. close to iRobot. You guys, yeah. I don't know how paranoid you are in general, your general level of paranoidness. General paranoia. But when I ask my car to send a text message to somebody... I say thank you afterwards <laughs> because I don't want it to hate me. Yeah, when when, when the robot uprising comes, the car's going to be like, he was nice to me. Yeah, like what if it just starts driving me and it's like, that tree looks nice, you know what I mean? But if I say thank you every time it sends a text message, you know what, this one's an okay one. I'll spare him. It's like it's like the He's an ally in the robot war. Kylo Ren remembering that Grogu was nice to him once in the cafeteria and saying, hey, don't go to the temple today. <laughs> So Nick Fury (laughs) is beamed down to Earth from a spaceship, now going around without the eye patch and walking with a limp. He is picked up by Hill, who takes him to meet Talos, and we find out that Talos' mate, Sorin, is dead. Fury and Talos have a touching moment. And let me tell you, when they had this touching moment... It says that in the thing? That they had a touching moment? Or did you say touching? No, they had a touching... That's what it says. Uh, I read Fury and Talos have a touching moment. Okay, okay. And I swear, I turned to Bailey and I go, are they going to kiss? <laughs> because I, I I, could feel some like some tension there. And I told her, I was like, if they kiss right now, I'm in. Like, <laughs> I am all aboard a story like that. I think that would be a very you, interesting story. You have to imagine in fictional universes, like, we hope that... Love is love in all universes, sure. right? But you have to imagine that in any fictional universe where people are meeting alien races, 
of all different varieties that like everyone is way cooler about like who they can fall in love with. Happy you, pride, yeah, you would think a race that can shapeshift its entire into body anything. to literally anything yeah. would be cool about that kind right, of stuff. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I agree. It but, feels like that'd be perfectly normal for anyone in the Marvel universe. You know, I'm yeah, in love in, with the in, blue alien lady. In the like, MCU, the I in LGBTQIA is actually alien. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with apologies yeah. To, to, to our asexual friends. Yeah. Um, There's which, just two A's. Yeah, yeah. A-A. A-A, yeah, there yeah. we go. A E L G B T Q Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, yeah. It's L G B T Q I A E for extraterrestrial. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Or E T. Okay. Yeah, instead of a plus, it's the T after. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Talos talks about how the scrolls spent the past thirty years working for Fury to ensure he found them a new planet. But after the blip, Fury was a different man, disappearing from Earth for three long years without any contact. I want to briefly interject just to say that I appreciate that they basically confirmed here. Because a lot of people have been, you know, wondering after the big reveal in Spider-Man that the Nick Fury and Maria Hill in that movie were scrolls. A lot of people are like, oh, how long has Nick Fury been a scroll? And I'm glad that they basically confirmed here only since the blip. The only time we've seen scroll Nick Fury was in Spider-Man because you all know how I feel about scroll switcheroos in the comics. And I was going to be real mad if they turned out that this character we spend a lot of time with actually wasn't the character yeah, you're gonna thought. love this series this is gonna do everything you've hoped we would never do well we'll talk about that a little <laughs> bit but i mean you and i talked about this earlier yeah. but i actually do have a little bit of faith in the show to not go as far as the comics did and to actually be a little bit more focused in their scroll use did we did we learn why nick fury is not wearing an eye patch anymore no it's just an aesthetic choice yeah Seems like it okay i think uh squeeze in his head <laughs> I'm sure that would get painful after a while. Yeah. Does anybody else, dude? Hold on. Before I thought that when Bailey went around and was handing us these like little garlic knots, that uh-huh. she just handed everyone one and then left. And you keep picking one up and eating it. And I'm like, how are these generating <laughs> for this man? This guy has a, a power. I have a plate of these. I know that now. <laughs> I know that now. But I like three times I've looked over and I'm like, is he still eating that same one? <laughs> He's savoring it. <laughs> like, okay, anyway. Gonna make it last all night. Does anybody not feel any sympathy for... The billionaires Nick, in the submarine? Nick Fury right oh, now. Oh, my bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't feel any sympathy for Nick Fury for being blipped. Because, <laughs> like, get in, great either. get in line, man. Everyone was blipped. Like, you don't see anybody else being like, oh, no, I was really depressed because I was blipped. No, everybody else got back to work. Nick Fury's the one that can't handle it. Nick Fury, of all people, yeah. that tells everybody to suck it up. That well, guy? Hill makes the point, which I think is, a, uh, I hope it's something we're going to get into, is that... No, not with Hill. No, yeah, that's right. It was <laughs> Olivia Coleman. No, I'm just the- saying we won't get into that with Hill because she's gone. Well, uh, damn. Uh, uh, spoiler. Yeah. Well, it was, it was either Hill or... Or Queen Elizabeth, who said um, that part... Oh, I scared the dog. Sorry. Sorry. Um, that the blip changed Fury, which, you know, they say like 20 times in this episode. You've changed, man. You've changed. Um, but they that it changed because he's the guy who has always been, you know, three or four steps ahead of everybody else. And the blip just proved that, no, 
there will always be something bigger out there that he can't control, and oh, he can't deal with that. I thought it was the ship of Theseus thing. Like he's a different person. Like his <laughs> matter was uh, deconstituted and then reconstituted. You know, that's actually an interesting question. <laughs> so he's literally a different. Oh. He's, it's a ship of Theseus thing. Right? All the blipped people were ships of Theseus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, were, they were they were disintegrated into dust and then reformed. That's those, great. Whoa. All those poor people that we always talk about, like on the and during the blip, like all the people that like pilots are gone and suddenly planes are falling out. What about the people that were in planes and then were brought back? You know, they're like sitting waiting oh, for their for their drink. That's true. <laughs> and then they're just back and like ah oh, shit, and they just start. <laughs> My headcanon, until proven otherwise, is that. Bruce took that into account when he snapped mm. and was like, bring everybody back, but in a manner that is safe. <laughs> like, Oh, that's not how I took what you were just saying. I was mm. thinking like if a plane is being piloted yeah. and the pilot is one of the snapped, all the people left in the plane. Well, yeah, that too. Oh, yeah, yeah. they still died. Uh, yeah. yeah. That too. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't come back. Oof. Talos also tells Fury that his daughter Gaia disappeared after a point as well, having become disillusioned with the condition of her people. Talos himself has, uh, was kicked off the Scroll Council and exiled, allowing the rise of power—excuse me—rise to power of another disillusioned young Scroll who shares a history with Fury, Gravik. We don't know what that history is, but apparently they have a history. I hope that they don't wait until Episode Five to tell us. Let me tell you something. It seems am, like the trajectory. I am very tired of the MCU mystery box. I when we first started doing these Disney Plus shows, I was all in. And then every single show has been like this, it feels like. You don't really know what the show's about, and then like an episode or two before the finale, they're like, here's everything, blah, 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 yeah. blah. And they just sort of vomit it out, and then they have a big finale. And I am very tired of that format. It, it hmm. worked for WandaVision, and it 95% worked for Loki. Hmm. I still have some issues with how the finale was handled, but um, but like for those two shows, it's like, okay, yeah, because the shows were strong enough and were giving you some answers as the show went on. Like it would be different if like we didn't actually meet Agatha Harkness until the final episode of WandaVision, mm -hmm. but we got three episodes with her as Agatha. Whereas I I bring up Hawkeye as this example all the time. Hawkeye would have been a better show if we had gotten a Kingpin reveal in episode three. Sure. Uh, not just because Morvin's and D'Onofrio makes a show better, but having that character, the Kingpin, as a presence. In the series, instead of just a surprise for the end of episode five, that wasn't actually a surprise because we'd all figured it out yeah. uh, and then have him in one episode. He's not a character in the show. Then he's a plot device. Yep. It would have made the show more tense, too. Yeah, I would have liked that. I don't know, though. I I am not disagreeing with what you guys are saying. Maybe we could have made the other things that didn't need to be a mystery box less mystery boxy. Mm -hmm. But this is the perfect show to be a mystery box. I will agree with you on that. <laughs> well, and that's, <laughs> that's maybe the that. problem. So is it, that... it's almost a cry wolf situation because well, right. you're like, I've had enough of this, please. I'm so tired of mystery boxes, but this is the perfect one for them yeah. to have it. So like, I'm like conflicted. Like, mm -hmm. obviously, I am exhausted by it because it has felt like every single show has gone this direction. Yeah. But this show does make a lot of sense to be like that. And so it's. Yeah. And also, Bailey brought this up. It feels like they are. Like trying to get like a redo on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like this feels very yeah. Falcon and the Winter Soldier-y. 
Because it's got a lot of that shield stuff, you know what I mean? Like it's got a lot of that, yeah. that 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 DNA, that story, that type of story that we don't really see in the MCU anymore. That I think started with the Captain America movies, specifically Winter Soldier. Yeah, like I think that style of MCU property is only really told in things like Falcon and the Winter Soldier yeah. and in this like stuff about Shield and stuff like that. And an MCU spy show about. Old people. Uh, con- about old people <laughs> trying to uncover a conspiracy of shape-shifting aliens. That can be a mystery show in a good way or a bad way. Sure. And the good way is if the conspiracy plot keeps us guessing the whole time and, you know, and it all makes sense when it's all said and done. The bad way is if they try to make all these characters and their motivations murky and we're like, well, what's Fury's connection to Gravik? That's going to get annoying as hell if we don't find out until episode five or six what the deal is. Yeah. I want to find out in episode two what Fury's history with Gravik is because it is now so personal because Gravik murdered his his best partner. Yep. You know, Maria Hill has been like everything to to Fury, especially since Coulson left the picture. Uh, you know, so the fact that she is now gone. And this person that he shares history with killed her. We need to know as soon as possible what the history is, because I don't want to guess. I don't want to be sitting here going, oh, is he Nick Fury's secret half alien son? Oh, did he <laughs> and Nick Fury uh, go camping one time? I don't know. Are they in love? <laughs> yeah. Did uh, they go uh, camping? Yeah. You know, it, it could be anything. Oh, did Nick Fury accidentally... Um, you know, run over his dog in the parking lot. You know, what? Why does Gravik feel this way about Nick Fury? If they if they keep us guessing on it, I'm going to be annoyed as hell. If they tell us and they use if that they to inform us. the rest of the, if they tell us <laughs> and they and they, uh, and they use that to inform the next five episodes of the show, then that's going to be good. Is this? I a want six? to understand. Yeah, it's a six episode. I thought it was an eight. I wish. <laughs> I or don't. do I? I? I do not. We'll find out. I don't know. If it were an eight, they'd probably wait till episode seven to You're tell right. us. You're right. Instead yeah. of five. What if Nick Fury <laughs> did have a secret son and this guy keeps taking the form of what his son looks like? That that makes more sense. I uh. could actually see that being the case. Hmm. But I would like them to explain that next week if that is the case. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, because keep, now... Keep we, dreaming, buddy. Yeah, because <laughs> you can tell us, oh, yes, this is personal to Nick Fury. But if you actually, you know, again, show, don't tell, like, explain to us why is it personal to Nick Fury? Don't just tell us that it is. Make us, because we like Nick Fury. We, you know, we, we've, you know, maybe we do. I don't know. Um, but I've I've always uh, had a fondness for Nick Fury. He's, we, been, he's been around since the very beginning of the MCU. I don't know. He has been in the helicarrier quite often. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Here's Here's what I think they can do to get away with fast-tracking that. You know, we say that... It's important to make all of these things standalone so that a new watcher can watch them and not feel like they're being rushed. But at the same time, one of my long-standing issues with these Disney Plus shows usually ends up being that the final episode feels like it's three episodes packed into one because it moves so fast. Why not put this on the other end of this, uh, the other end of the chronolo- the chronological order of episodes? Right, put the fast episode at episode two. Put the fast episode at episode one. Make Give us all the information we need really fucking quick. Mm-hmm. Then you can tell the whole story like you're asking for over five episodes. Because, yes, we need to make this show available to new people as well. But 
a lot of the viewers already have a lot of history with Nick Fury. We already know a lot about his character. We already know a lot about some of the other characters in the show. So you can get right into the, we don't need to tell you more about Nick Fury. Mm -hmm. We're going to tell you more about this relationship that he has with this person. And then here's the rest of the show. Make it fast in the beginning. And then well paced throughout the rest. Yeah. You know what show did that well? Loki. The Good Place. Yes, it did. Yeah. The Good Place. I fucking and, love it. And the this good is place. something Mike Sure talked about. Sh- episodes that would have been the season finale of another show, they made episode six or seven of their season. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they could have dragged everything out, but they kept the pace up because they're like, well, first of all, they think the audience is smart enough to roll with it. And they're like, you know, we could drag this out, but what is the purpose of dragging it out except, you know, to show off how clever we are as writers? Well, I think they're really the good place is a really good job of not overstaying its welcome. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I think it ends at the perfect time. Like, yeah. I think oh, it yeah. does a very, very good job of being exactly lo- as long as it needs to be. Yeah, that is also true. Which is something that I think properties are starting to, like, losing nowadays where they're like... Mm-hmm. They're, they're that money, baby. Yeah, they're being worked. I fucking love The Good Place. Yeah, same. I just started rewatching it yesterday, actually. Was it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. Me too. Nice, dude. Pussies. I also saw on TikTok, the, there's like a behind the scenes, and I'm not going to spoil exactly what it is, but the, the cast is brought together, and they read the twist for the first season uh, for yes, the first time, and that it's is, very fun to watch. That is an incredible video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I need to watch that. I haven't yeah. seen that. So Gravik is essentially the leader of a rebellion among the young Skrulls, basing himself in Russia. Since Skrulls are immune to radiation, these rebels are using abandoned off-the-books nuclear plants in the country as bases. And Hill and Talos have no idea where Gravik actually is. Hill tells Fury that uh, Prescott had found schematics for a dirty bomb, which he thinks the Skrulls will use to stage a terrorist attack that will be credited to a racial radical group, not a racial group, a radical <laughs> group called Americans Against Russia, provoking a war between two major powers. I'm glad you corrected that because <laughs> Americans Against Russia sounds like it could be a racial group. Yeah. The scrolls have since stolen the materials they need from a site in Kazakhstan, so the threat is real and possibly existential. It's an interesting way to write that. Fury, presumably shocked by the stakes of what he's walked into, abruptly leaves for a walk. Meanwhile, at the White House, James Rhodes, now a presidential advisor, informs President Ritson that Fury has left Saber and that Maria Hill and Nick Fury have gone AWOL. Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, <laughs> Cupid, President Ritson. <laughs> <laughs> okay, quick, but do that, but as Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Dasher, Dasher, Dancer, Dancer Prancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, President Ritson. <laughs> Put that cookie down. President Ritson was elected to lead, not to read. He's not the tumor. <laughs> the president tells Rhodey to deal with it. Back in Moscow, Fury walks... Fury's walk takes him past a couple who gives him dirty looks and a girl playing with a ball who is shocked by his appearance and has to be led away by her mother. Two men then attack Fury, putting a hood on him and pushing him into a car. He is taken to meet Sonia Fallsworth, a charming but undoubtedly deadly MI6 agent. Fury and Sonia clearly know each other, exchanging some fun banter. While she gets him a drink, he takes the chance to plant a camera on an owl statuette. They drink and talk about the Scroll Rebellion. What? Who? 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 They drink and talk about the Scroll Rebellion, which Sonya 
also trying to stop. Fury asks Sonya about the heist in Kazakhstan, and Sonya says she doesn't know about it, which Fury says is a lie. Sonya expresses doubt in Fury's abilities, saying that he was changed by the snap, and that the incident showed him that no matter how hard he tries, there will always be someone stronger. But Fury says that his experience with the scrolls gives him an insight into their situation that nobody else has, proposing an alliance. Sonya, however, doesn't want his help and tells him to go back to his space station. Fury leaves, but he now has an advantage. I really enjoyed this scene. I would like to see more of Samuel L. Jackson and Olivia Coleman together. I, I liked that a lot. I thought that was that was one of the highlights of the episode for me. I agree. And then we move 312 kilometers south of Moscow, where a young man approaches a gate with armed guards. Gaia, played by Amelia Clark, meets him and asks him to reveal his true form. After confirming that he's a scroll, she allows him into the compound, what she calls New Scrollos. Very original. <laughs> Gaia introduces the new scroll Beto. You got the uh, idea from New Asgard. <laughs> uh, the new scroll Beto to their home and their ways, giving him a scroll fruit grown on the compound and promising him that the risk he took to get there, or the risks he took to get there, were worth it. New Scrollos is an abandoned nuclear plant, just as Hill and Talos had theorized, with over 500 scrolls, including children, living there. Not everyone is a rebel. Scrolldren? Yeah, Scrolldren. But only the warriors are allowed to leave, taking on human forms and maintaining them for as long as possible. Gaia then leaves Beto and goes into a restricted room where Gravik's Lieutenant Pagan inducts a new scroll warrior named Brogan. A shadowy figure watches from above. The other scrolls uh, uh, bring in a prisoner, the leader of America's against Russia, and Brogan takes his form. Then they hook up with they hook up the human to a machine. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, this would have been a very, very different episode. <laughs> so that's the secret invasion. That's there's like. I, we're like AI writing a porn version of Secret <laughs> Invasion right now. <laughs> then they hook up. <laughs> Would you like to try some of my scroll fruit? <laughs> <laughs> they then hook up the human to a machine that allows the Hi. warrior to copy the man's mind as well. My name's Guy. Uh. <laughs> oh, Jesus. oh, no. Oh, no. Jesus. You have to edit it so I don't have to hear that again. <laughs> no, you're going to hear it again. Fury, Talos, and Hill watch the spy cam and find out that Sonya has figured out who the scrolls will use to build their bomb. An artist and bomb builder called... <laughs> called... Bomb builder. Poprachin. Uh, Poprachin. Spell it. Uh, P-O-P-R-I-S-C-H-C-H-I-N. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I watched it this morning and I cannot remember how they pronounced it. Propishen, it might have been actually. Maybe I don't know. Pop goes the chicken. Pop pop popsicle. Yeah, pop chicken. <laughs> pop chicken. Sonya plans on waiting until a scroll rebel shows up to pick up the bomb and then following them to their base. Fury wants to incapacitate the MI6 agents and get to. Uh. Pop- Paprichichin first, <laughs> which Talos is uncomfortable with. However, Fury says that Sonya has a scorched earth policy, meaning that she will kill any and every person that gets in her way. Attacking her men is the only way to prevent the loss of more lives. Fury also says that Gravik thinks mercy is Talos's weakness and that this is a chance to prove him wrong. Back at New Skrullis, Pagan informs Gravik that Fury is on Earth. Gravik doesn't seem concerned and says that they will make their move to the, uh, the next day, that they won't stop until they have Earth for themselves. Pagan then says Gaia to Papa Chichin 
to, it's getting worse every time, to pick up the bombs <laughs> and get them to their Moscow safe house. Gaia heads to Papa Chichin's place <laughs> and finds... It's Emma's almost like this was written to fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like, and they head to Dr. Pipple Popper's place. <laughs> <laughs> finds MI6 agents waiting, so she goes in through the back instead and meets the bomb maker. At the same time, <laughs> Talos incapacitates an agent and sneaks in with Fury. The joke about their age with Talos asking Fury... Uh, what he got for his midlife shopping spree. Fury responds with a classic MCU-style one-liner saying, The Avengers. I actually did laugh at that. That though. was a funny line, yeah. <laughs> As her father and Fury go in, Gaia leaves with the bombs. Fury and Talos confront Puprchidchin. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure that's a Pokemon. Hill <laughs> spots Gaia getting away, deciding to follow her. Papa Chichin <laughs> reveals himself to be a scroll, and he and Talos begin to fight. Talos insists that he can handle this on his own, telling Fury not to get involved. But when it looks like Papa Chichin, <laughs> why not? The upper hand. <laughs> Fury kills him. Leaving Talos feeling upset and betrayed. I think that was the last. Oh uh, yeah, you won't get proper chin chin again. Somebody count how many times I said that. <laughs> it's got to. I think it was one each. I, actually, I, <laughs> <laughs> it was a little different every time. So, <laughs> one, one, one. <laughs> I think it's pepper pepperchino. Ah uh, yes, pepperchini. Hill follows Gaia underground. Gaia attacks her and manages to get away, but Talos arrives and starts chasing her with a gun. Gaia reveals herself to her father, who informs her that her mother is dead, implying that she was killed by Gravik's rebels, and asks her to give him the bombs. But Gaia runs from him and later breaks down in tears. I find the... The one part of this episode that I really did like was when Fury kills the scroll, and there's, like... Not a, it's not a moment of tension between him and Talos, but there's like a moment of sadness. Yeah. You know, there is like a moment of, I asked you not to do this. This is like the one thing that I don't want you to do is to kill my people. Yeah. And he's not like angry with him, but he's really sad. Yeah. yeah. I, I really am. I, how I felt when this episode ended was like, there are things in here that if they, you know, continue exploring it, this could end up being a really good show. Yeah. And that's one of them. Uh, that That is certainly, you know, that adds an interesting dynamic to their relationship. Fury heads to a bar where one of the patrons makes a knowing comment that implies that Fury isn't the man he once was. Why would people say that to a random stranger? I don't know. He's like, he walks up to the bar and the guy's like, you're not who you used to be, you know? And he's like, who the fuck are you, man? Yeah. Like, I don't know you. I think, didn't he say that was someone that he knew, like it was one of his operatives that he had during the Cold War? Oh, was like, it? When he was a sh- yeah, because that's a conversation he has with Hill then, and she's like, make your friends with the local, and he says, how do you think I kept the Cold War from going hot? Like, I had people everywhere. Interesting. And he refers to them as spooks, and I, she goes, you can't say that, and he says, you can't say that, and I thought that was very funny. I thought that that line, not the spooks line, the... um. Cold War line. I thought that was not necessarily about that specific human. I thought that was him just saying, yeah, I bought drinks for people at bars before. Yeah. Oh, see, I took it as he kind of knows people everywhere. Mm. That could be it, too. Yeah, he knows assholes everywhere. Yeah. They start talking shit the first second they see him. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of his thing, too. That's true. He does talk a lot of shit. I respect it. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Fury buys him a drink and walks away, joining Maria Hill at their table. They talk over a game of chess, and Hill asks him why he abandoned Earth. After some hesitation, he says that he had a crisis of faith. Much like all the others, Hill shows doubt in Fury's ability to stay ahead of his enemies and says that if he doesn't figure things out, someone's going to get hurt. <gasps> Foreshadowing. Whoa. Later, Fury thinks about the snap and the moment when he died, clearly still working through it. Gaia delivers the bombs to Pagan. She tells him that someone was waiting for her but doesn't say who and suggests that maybe they should postpone the strike. Pagan, however, thinks that things are going exactly according to plan. Gaia then meets with Talos, giving him the time and location of the attack, the Unity Day celebrations the next day, and telling him that Gravik knows Talos will be there. She also tells him that Gravik has hundreds of operatives in deep cover, many of their identities unknown even to each other. There are to be three core... Uh, Couriers, including Gaia, carrying bombs in two bags that she will mark with infrared spray. The next day, Hill, Talos, and Fury spot Gaia at the location, tracking the bags, but she hands them off to the other two couriers. Talos goes after one courier while Hill chases the other, but while they're running off, Fury is distracted by the young girl with the ball whom he saw earlier. He follows the girl, a scroll who constantly shifts forms and leads Fury away in a very Alice in Wonderland-esque sequence. The oh, scrolls yeah. <laughs> actually Gravik. The scroll actually Gravik takes his human form just as Talos and Hill catch up with their target and find that the bags are decoys. With Fury watching, Gravik detonates the real bombs. The crowd <laughs> descends into chaos as the bombs go off, and Gravik, taking Fury's form, shoots Maria Hill in the confusion. She dies in Fury's arms, and Talos puts him away from the scene. Okay, um, before we get into the serious bits of this, yeah, I had this moment where I totally was I broke away from what was happening when Gravik kept changing between forms because I had like two little, I had like an angel and devil in my head where my one side was like, it's pretty cool camera trick. Like that's fun to watch. Like he goes behind a thing. He's a different person. And then the, whatever the thing is on the other side, whether it's the angel or the devil was like, this is only cool from this exact perspective. Like imagine (laughs) you're one of the people in the crowd you just see this dude change into like four different people. Well, is that like, not the same thing with any time Batman disappears? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Or, or I know. whenever somebody disappears when a bus drives by. Yeah. I know. Have you seen that? those guys on TikTok that do the magic trick where they put up the sheet and then one of them disappears and the other one's there and it's just him like crawling away? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, before we get to the actual end of this episode, a question for, for the class. Uh-huh. Did Gaia lie yes. to Talos or did she get lied to by Gravik? I think she lied to Talos. Okay. Um, I think I agree with Eduardo. Yeah, I, I'm I'm back and forth on this one. I don't know if she was setting Talos up or if Gravik expected her to, set, uh, to tell Talos what was going on so he had a secret different plan because she did try to tell them to stop it. Yeah. So that's a point in, you know, favor of her maybe actually having second thoughts about this. Yeah. I will say you do not bring Amelia Clark into this to make her a villain. I don't think. I think what? It, I think it'll be an Amelia. What do you mean? I think it'll be an Amelia Clark redemption type thing. She was a villain in Game of Thrones by the end. And Solo. And she was a villain in Solo the whole time. You know what people hated in both of those movies? When they, she turned into a villain. I know. <laughs> but in both of those properties. Those are her, they're going to do it backwards here. Those are her chops. Her chops are 
when people actually like what she does, she is not a villain. And then when people when she doesn't do that, she's a villain. I I I think did they dislike her for being a villain in Solo, or no, did they, they just, just dislike, dislike Solo? Dislike Solo, yeah. yeah. Dislike Solo, which I maybe unpopular. I feel like I'm coming around a little bit on Solo. Like I feel like I've gone the other direction on Solo, and I'm finally at the point where I'm like, yeah, Solo's okay. I need to revisit it because I've only seen it the one time. There are parts of it I really enjoyed, and there are parts of it that I thought, "Why are we making this movie? No one asked for this. We didn't need this." <laughs> and there are parts of it that were just so reeking of prequel bullshit by which i mean not not like the star wars prequels because there are aspects of the star wars prequels i actually really enjoy i mean the annoying thing that all prequels do where they're like they have to explain every little thing here's how han solo got his gun yeah. here's how han solo got the name solo this is where he got the dice that hang on his <laughs> yeah. windshield you know? the dice like- that were an inside joke that nobody even knew about in the 70s and 80s that they decided to make very important in the, in the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I I was a little annoyed by a lot of that stuff. But there were the opening sequence of Solo where it's Han and Kira and they're dealing with the weird worm lady. I thought that was super fun. You know, so there are aspects of Solo I liked, so I need to give it another shot. She's also someone. I forget who she is, but like it's already been like it's come out who Amelia Clark is playing, and like she's someone with powers. I don't know what they oh, are. Oh, you mean she's um, she can shapeshift. She's a scroll. No, 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 I, no, 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 no. She this. she has some <laughs> other thing. I remember reading this somewhere that she oh. was like, uh, she was cast as like a like a superhero. Oh, interesting. Oh, I, uh, I forget what oh. the name is. Huh. I'll look it up later. But okay. um, is it different than whatever that superhero's alias is it was, in the comic? It was enough to where I was like, "Oh, she's a scroll." I'm surprised she's a scroll because that's not yeah. that character. I don't believe is a scroll normally. Oh, okay. Huh. Anyway, Hill's dead. Yeah. So that that caught me by surprise. Yeah, because we're only allowed to have one female lead in a show at a time. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not going to take Olivia credit. Coleman. Your clock's ticking. I'm not going to take credit for that. <laughs> that was Bailey who said that. Yeah, uh, but I agree with her. I think it's weird that they killed her off, and I think it's weird because I don't think Maria Hill gets that much time throughout any of the MCU. Yeah, and it was actually kind of nice to see her in like a long form setting. Yeah, and she's just gone in the first episode. Her biggest role was probably what Winter Soldier, probably. Yeah, and then Far From Home, but that was Soren in disguise. I, yeah. I'm I'm having trouble. This is a twofold problem. The first part of it is that I'm having trouble caring that much about the death of her character because she has been such a side character throughout the rest of the MCU stuff that like I don't feel any personal attachment to her. And I've said this on our other episodes that have featured Maria Hill as a character that like we were around so many people that like were in love with her and I'm like but she doesn't do anything. Like one of, I don't remember what movie it is, but one of the movies she just exists as like the plot device move forwarder. Like she keeps asking the questions. Well, Age of Fury, Ultron. Yeah, maybe yeah. Age of Ultron. Well, Fury, what happens with this? And then he answers the question. Well, oh, what about this? First Avengers. And, then, it, yeah. and then they answer the question. Like she's just there in that movie to move the plot forward. And I, I, it'd be cool if I cared about her death because we had more of her. But- the second part of this for me is, and maybe this kind of reveals my overall thought on the episode, the mystery box format for the other shows worked so well because there was like a singular mystery, right? But we didn't really know that. 
the whole concept of secret invasion and that anyone could be a a shapeshifter is almost like shitter (laughs) shapeshifter is almost like analysis paralysis for me because if anybody can be a shapeshifter like what should i assume is true about the show how many people in the show could be a scroll it could go any way yeah could maria hill in that moment i mean she didn't turn into a scroll post-mortem but maybe we didn't watch her die all the way you know like i i I guess it's hard to say who could or couldn't be a scroll and so part of this for me is like at first i thought this show is going to be really intense because of the mystery but at, while I was watching it, I was like, maybe too much mystery because I, anyone could be anything. I hate the concept of anyone can be a scroll. Like, I really actually dislike that yeah. as yeah. a concept for a TV show because it feels like the like the stakes and the, the like. It feels like it's a cheap way to write right, things. It feels off. like manipulation, like what Chris has been complaining about for one whole podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. Of <laughs> I hope they don't do this because they could just say. We didn't like this decision we made. They were a scroll. Yeah. And I don't want that to happen with this show. I hope it doesn't because this show is being very upfront about being what it is. Mm -hmm. But I also think the combination of me not really caring about Maria Hill as a character and the theme of the show, I'm like, is she dead? Who can say? Yeah. I, um, as far as the whole scroll thing goes, if they keep it, focused and not just using it for shock twist values and make sure that when it's revealed that someone's a scroll it actually makes sense then great but i've you know been banging the drum for years how <laughs> what about the show <laughs> paradiddle <laughs> i have been saying for a long time <laughs> that uh Wow, what a weird percussionist <laughs> reference I just made. <laughs> Y'all know what a paradiddle is. I know what a paradiddle is. Uh, let's for, da, 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 da. Yeah, for for those of you at home, a paradiddle when you're drumming, you have a you know, you're drumming with both hands is when you are doing like 16th notes if you will, and you drum right left right right or left right left left. It's paradiddle. <laughs> I'm like doing it with my hands and you can't see it, yeah. but right left right right is paradiddle. Yeah. But anyway, or I, it's I, when you're beating you're banging the drum and you give her a little <laughs> paradiddle. Banging the drum for years. Yeah, you've yeah. been paradiddling her. <laughs> I've been banging it. I've been banging the drum for years since I was a wee lad. <laughs> Ever since I was a wee boy. And my mama gave me a little tin drum. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Danny? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, I've been saying for a long time that you can, a lot of times they just use the scrolls in a very cheap way. And I really, that is my biggest fear for the show is yeah. that they will do that. And honestly, if they reveal that Maria Hill is not really dead, that was a scroll. That's cheap. I agree. I'm not saying I wanted Maria Hill to die. My biggest sadness about her dying is that I felt like overall she really hasn't had enough to do because, you know, she yet, you know, when she does get to do stuff, I like her, you know, so and it's sad to see her go. And my other big problem with his death, and I hate to be this kind of nitpicker because I'm usually not, but why when you are. You know you're dealing with shapeshifters. 
you are investigating a terrorist attack that you know is about to be perpetrated by said shapeshifters. It happens. Why would you run to the first Nick Fury that you see? Yeah. But also, if you're Nick Fury and you know you're dealing with shapeshifters, why would you mysteriously follow a person that looks like the exact same little girl you saw the night before instead of the mission? I think that he knew that was graphic. So as far as he was concerned, that was the mission. Ah, okay. And I think whatever his personal thing with graphic is, maybe... I mean, he definitely had a shot at it, shot on him at one point, and he didn't take it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that you can explain a little bit, but her just kind of running to Nick Fury, I don't see Maria Hill as the kind of person that would panic and forget what she's dealing with here. Yeah. So that bothered me a little bit about her death. It's like, oh, this, I, I don't like that that's how she went. And then, you know, there's the whole, I don't know. I mean, it. It shows that they mean business if they actually did just kill off Maria Hill, which I do think they did. Um, but, man, I wish it had been handled a little bit differently. Mm. President's a scroll. Oh, yeah, totally. Calling that now. President's a scroll. Yeah. Or Don why'd, Cheadle. Why'd they show him? Why'd they show the president? Maybe Don Cheadle's why a scroll. President's a scroll. Mm. Anyone could be a scroll. Anyone could wear the mask. Mm-hmm. You, you can wear the mask. <laughs> you guys are both wearing the mask. So that was the first episode of Secret Invasion. Uh, I feel like I am very behind on what we normally do here because I forget what the next part is. I think it's our ratings. Quick, open up another set of notes. Yeah, I th- uh, for <laughs> our regular TV episode, I think we're just going to do our, our rating. Yeah, ratings. What are you guys going to rate don't this pick episode? pick an MVP or anything. Uh, for me, I said when it was done... Because I, I, I watched it today. Uh, Today's Saturday we're recording this, so I actually... Did not watch it for the first couple days it was out. Uh, And in that time, I had heard some people talk about how they didn't like it. So I went in like, oh boy, what am I going to think of it? And it ended, I said, well, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't really good either. But there were parts of it that I liked. And if they focus on those parts over the next few episodes, I do think that we can pick up from here and I do think the show has potential to be a good one when all is said and done. Uh, so I'm going to choose to be optimistic and hope that it goes that way. Uh, but for this episode, uh, I am going to give it six proper chakalakas out of uh, ten. <laughs> Peach? <laughs> Damn. You stole what I was going to call it. Uh, I'll just pick one of the other things he said. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've kind of already laid out my thoughts as far as the scroll stuff goes. I'm optimistic, of, or I'm cautiously optimistic, but I'm also like in the back of my head just really hoping that they don't abuse this whole scroll plot thing now or going forward because if they conclude whatever this story is and they don't finish up the plot, we could end up seeing things in the future now that Scrolls doing this has been introduced as a concept in the actual MCU. We could see that plot that you're very afraid of happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and also this, but specifically on this first episode, it was fine. A, a very intro episode as far mm-hmm. as setting, thing, setting things up and introducing characters and whatnot. But I don't, I don't think it was anything to write home about. So I'll give it, uh, I'll give it seven pepperoncinis out of 10 <laughs> yeah i i think i lean a little bit more towards uh to peach as far as i didn't 
of the episode, but he gave it a way higher score than he gave it a higher score than Chris. Yeah, which is interesting. Not it's way not, higher, just one point. Interesting. It's not what I expected. Uh, if it's been any secret so far, this episode, I didn't love this one. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it so far. Um, I thought the episode was fine, but I just I don't know. I think. Some of the trappings of what Marvel has done with their TV shows are starting to show for me a little bit, and I don't know if I necessarily enjoy it, and I think because it is a collection of some of the characters I don't necessarily care about as much, it's starting to show itself a little bit more. Um, I don't particularly... Like, I like the Fury just fine. Does he need to carry an entire show? Probably not, but maybe this is exactly what Disney Plus is there for, for Nick Fury to get his own show and not necessarily a movie. Who knows? Um... All of that being said, I'm going to give it five. Uh, how I shot your aunt out of ten. <laughs> oh. Damn! <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. Wow. Yeah, I will say my score uh, in regard to you saying it was different than Chris's. Like that's my optimistic score. I think, and I don't ever do this, but if this show ends up doing the thing that I'm afraid of it doing, I would go back and knock this down. Because if they're setting Sometimes all this, love comes around. Yeah, <laughs> if they if they set this up to do a shitty thing, then the stuff that they set up is going to mean a lot less. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> all right, I think we have a banger of a recommendation section. Recommendation jingle. Yeah. We do. I think we do. I think there have been some hits lately yeah and i think each of us could probably talk about one of them and probably talk about for it for way too long um i know two out of three of these things i'll talk <laughs> about the third one because it's a very recent one okay. but how do you know which thing i know about because one of them is very very popular i'll let chris go first because you assume i'm going to talk about it well i'm going to assume you're going to talk about the one that i think you're going to talk about and okay. i know which one you're <laughs> going to talk about i don't yes you do I I actually have two recommendations. I'll be... Okay. Yeah. Um, the one that you're not going to expect. Um, I saw Asteroid City yesterday. Oh, okay. Um, I Up until a couple days ago, I had never actually seen a Wes Anderson movie. And uh, Thursday night, I rented and watched Grand Budapest Hotel. And that's going to be my actual recommendation because I loved that movie. This is oh. not what he thought you were going to recommend. Yeah, well, I'm going to talk about Zelda next, <laughs> <Okay>. don't worry. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I'm going to recommend uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, which was just absolutely hilarious. And it has Flash Thompson playing a young version of Khonshu because um, uh, Tony Revolori plays young F. Murray Abraham in it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that was very good. And Asteroid City, which is weird as hell, but I really liked it a lot as well. Uh, saw that yesterday. Really enjoyed that. Uh, but the thing Eduardo assumed I was going to talk about, um, I have spent most of my free time for the past month or so playing The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. It is a game I have looked forward to for a long time because Breath of the Wild, uh, the previous Zelda game. Stone Cold Steve Austin's favorite Zelda game. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, it was my favorite Zelda game as well. Stone Cold said so. Yeah. He did. He literally did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm no. not making this up. No, he that's did true. I know. He, I just wanted to say Stone Cold said <laughs> and so. And he's, he's been playing Tears of the that's Kingdom, too. That's the bottom too. line. He has like, been playing Tears yeah, of the Kingdom. Yeah, he's like right. legitimately like a huge Zelda fan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Breath of the Wild was one of my favorite games of all time. I thought it had just such a great sense of exploration and openness to it. And I've been a fan of the Zelda series for a long time as well, of course. Um, and I thought, wow, that's going to be hard to top. And oh my God, 
it's Tears of the Kingdom is so much better than Breath of the Wild. I cannot believe that I could say that, <laughs> but I'm not even done with it yet. I have been, I'm about 190 hours into this game. Jesus wow. Christ. And whew, I have done three of the four main sections so far. Holy shit, Because dude. I have just been, uh, you can play this game however you want. Uh, there's like a, but just like the uh, Breath of the Wild, there's a hour, two hours, like tutorial section that you start with where you learn your new abilities for this game. And the new abilities in this game are great. Uh, one of them is called Ultra Hand, where you can just kind of pick up and move anything you want and you can attach those things to other things and build stuff. Um, another one is called Fuse, and you can fuse stuff to your shields and your swords and other weapons and to your arrows as well so like you can like the, the the joke that everyone has been talking about is how you can stick a piece of meat on the end of your arrow and shoot a meat arrow um, but there are so <laughs> many different items you can use uh to like enhance your weapons um you can go into a dark cave and there are these um uh, plants called bright blooms that light up you can attach that to your arrow and shoot at the wall, and it will stick the bright bloom to the wall and now light up that room you're in. Hmm. Um, you can also just choose to throw any item in your inventory as well, uh, which is such a fun addition to the game. I was playing it, and I came on this camp, and there are these uh, explosive barrels, so I just picked up a piece of fire fruit and threw it at the barrel and blew it up. Didn't even have to use an arrow or anything. It, it was so much fun. Um, there's another one called Recall, where you can rewind something that has moved. Uh, and then Ascend, which I did not think was going to be very interesting and ended up being one of my favorite things, where you can just ascend through basically any ceiling uh, up to a certain height. Like, if it's too high, you can't. Uh, but you can use that to get out of caves you can use it to get up onto platforms, uh, and it just adds a lot to uh, the mobility of the game um, and the different ways you can traverse the land. It's the same Hyrule from, the from Breath of the Wild, which I thought was going to be a weakness of this game, and it ends up being one of its greatest strengths because I am very familiar with that map now. Uh, so when they change things about certain places... It's like a fun surprise, like, oh, I wonder what's happening at this place that I've always liked to go to, that, that I remember from the first game. How have things changed? Because it's set, like, ten years after Breath of the Wild or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, the first thing I did when I got to Hyrule, because you start out in, because there are also now a bunch of sky islands, so there's, like, this whole other world above. Skylands. And there's a whole other world below Hyrule as well. Which they somehow did. They didn't talk about that at all in the lead up. They did. They did the Elden Ring thing, which is weird. That that's like a thing. That Elden Ring is a game that's based. Yeah. That has takes a lot of inspiration from Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And Tears of the Kingdom has been in development for a long time, so they didn't take this from Elden Ring. But it is interesting that they both went in the same direction. Like, what if we had an entire world underneath yeah. the world that we have? Didn't here? Skyrim do something like that too? Yeah, yeah, but I don't know if it was as expensive. Probably not as extensive. Yeah, this yeah. is literally the size of the entire map, oh. and it's like an inverse of of the map, which is really interesting. That everything that people complained about Breath of the Wild, they fixed in this game. People wanted more intricate dungeons and temples. We have temples in this game, like they're they're actual big dungeons. Um, too many of the quests in Breath of the Wild, you know, you could kind of mark them down as, oh, you have to go find 10 of these things and bring it to someone. 
I have done maybe, I've done probably a hundred different side quests in this game and maybe two of them involved that. Um, you can build vehicles to get around. I have built hover bikes. I have built uh, cars that uh, will, with a cannon and a beam on top that will home in on enemies. Uh, you can, it, pretty much if you can think of something that you want to do in this game, chances are you can make that happen somehow. I saw a TikTok of a person that built a Megazord yeah, that had yeah. the Power Rangers intro playing in the background as it like put itself together. Yeah. Someone built a Metal Gear. <laughs> That's Metal cool. Gear. Uh, yeah. Uh, just This game is absolutely fantastic, especially if you've played Breath of the Wild. Uh, again, the fact that they, you know, my concern going into this game was, oh, is it going to be... Breath of the Wild was such a great game of exploration. Can they recapture that? Yes, they did, and then some. Plus, they use your familiarity to actually make the game feel different. Like Because in Breath of the Wild, it's Link wakes up and he doesn't remember anything, so you are now kind of rediscovering this world along with him. Now, Link has been around for a while now, he has friends, and they're friends that you made in the first game, and they're, like, happy to see you. The first thing I did when I got to uh, Hyrule, like, the actual surface, I was supposed to go one way and get the paraglider, and I did not realize I was supposed to do that. So I ended up going halfway across the map without the paraglider <laughs> because I wanted to go to Terrytown, uh, which was my favorite quest from <laughs> Breath of the Wild, and because I, I wanted to see what... Everyone in Terrytown was up too. So I somehow made my way across the map without the glider to do that. And like all my friends who were playing were like, How what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like I'm like, I'm playing how I want to play this game. And you can, and that's just incredible. That's a bummer that you didn't get the paraglider first because when when I remember going to Terrytown, I would fast travel to one of the nearby shrines and it was on a cliff ish structure outside of Terrytown and I would paraglide in. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> I didn't have any shrines to teleport to yeah. at this point because it was just the very beginning of the game. Yeah. I got the tel- the paraglider right after I did Terrytown stuff. Hmm. But I actually like did a few side quests and side adventures in Terrytown before I was like, uh, maybe I should go where the game told me to because I really do want the glider now. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Tears of the Kingdom. I'm just absolutely floored at how much they improved a game that I already thought was incredible. Um, and then two weeks later, Across Spider-Verse came out, and I got to say the exact same thing about that. Okay, I wasn't I wasn't even going to talk about Across Spider-Verse, but like, for, for just a very quick second, yeah. holy we'll fuck, do an that episode. movie's good. That's yeah. what I thought you wanted. That's one of the hypotheses that I thought you, want, you thought I was going to say. I thought we were going to talk about video games. Yeah. And so uh, I thought there was a video game that you would talk about I understand yeah. that's um, my second choice yeah. for what so you I, thought I was gonna I've talk said about. It, I've said enough about Zelda go go play it if you have a switch go play both of them if you haven't played either of them play Breath of the Wild and then play Tears of the Kingdom I because I, I do think that your experience in Tears of the Kingdom will be enhanced if you played Breath of the Wild mm. uh, but yeah amazing 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 stuff Peaches what do you got yeah if you listen to this show and you haven't already seen Across the Spider-Verse I that would be strange yeah, I'd be surprised. I would be very yeah. surprised. Um, so yeah, definitely go see that. I had other recommendations planned for this. Oh, so yeah, give them. So I don't know. I and also recommend whatever you want. I know, but also after thinking about what I thought you were, you thought I would recommend. Uh-huh. I don't know if I'd recommend it. 
Really oh. interesting. Yeah, maybe I'll talk about it just to say see what you think. Would yeah. you would you recommend it? I'd recommend it. Yeah. Okay. Well, what I want to recommend without even <laughs> having seen it is Black Mirror. <laughs> Because the new season of Black Mirror just dropped, oh, sure. and I've uh, I've always been a big Black Mirror fan. I'm working my way to the new episodes by watching all the old ones again, and man, that show just has some fucking bangers in it. If you haven't heard of Black Mirror uh, and you're interested in this recommendation, just know that a lot of the episodes do have very bleak outcomes and subject matter. It's essentially... What if the Twilight Zone, but with a lot of times with futuristic technology? They'd agree with me about the credits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so the one nice thing about Black Mirror is that there are there's no real continuity between the episodes. You can watch them in any order that you want. And honestly, I think it's probably better to find an episode you want to watch first and watch that one because... Uh, this is just my personal opinion, but season one, episode one, is maybe not a great start. Okay, <laughs> it's a very <laughs> disturbing. I mean, there most of them are a little disturbing, but it's disturbing in a very realistic way because it is not an episode that utilizes futuristic technology really to tell a story. It is just a concept that is very. Not great. <laughs> uh, without spoiling okay. it, it's not. It's. I wouldn't recommend starting. Uh, we actually had a, a conversation about this in our group chat recently of what episode we believe would be the best one to introduce people to with Black Mirror. The one that I thought was the episode called White Christmas. Uh, it's season two, episode four. It's got John Hamm as one of the main characters. Oh. This show has like in every episode it has like some yeah some great actor that's just been in shit and you recognize them. Almost every single one of them has some like standout person or people in it. Um, so it's also cool to see all these. They're not even cameos because they're actors in the episode, but to just see all these features of people that you are familiar with. But yeah, John Hamm's in that episode. It's a it's a lengthier episode because it was their Christmas special. Mm. And so it's like a three three stories in one type episode that end up interconnecting type coolness. Um Bailey when we were having the conversation recommended season 2 episode 1 called Be Right Back, which has Haley Atwell and Domino Gleason in it. Mm. Maybe I'll start um, with that one. Also a great episode, also a very sad episode. Oh, good. Um but I am working my way toward the new season, which is season six. Uh, I'm in the middle. I just finished season four, episode one this morning on my rewatch. So I'm working my way there. Really recommend it. My second thing that I wanted to reverse recommend, what is a reverse recommendation? Uh, I've been going to a couple concerts recently. Went to a Paramore concert with these homies. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a few weeks before that concert, I went to see Spirit Box with my friend Gumby. Shout out, Gumbo. Yeah, Skater Gumby. I feel like I've missed out on a thing that I would have enjoyed more of in life. Are you trying to re- recommend yourself to the pa- like in the past? I'm trying. Is that what a reverse recommendation no. is? Because that's no, not what I assumed. The reverse recommendation is me saying... I wish I would have spent more of my life going to concerts. I want to start going to more concerts. There are definitely bands that put on better live shows than others. 
if you have recommendations for good bands that perform oh. live, please oh, tell yeah. me through whatever method you'd like to get in contact with this podcast, who puts on a good live show. Because there are some bands that I want to see them no matter what you say about them. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Neck Deep lately and for a while, but specifically I like, oh, I wonder when they're performing, when they're touring, because I would, I would watch the shit out of a Neck Deep show. I'm sure they're great. Um, but yeah, if y'all have any recommend, and, and most of you that are listening don't have a clue what music I like. So it's a weird thing to ask because you don't know what music I like. But if you know of any bands that like put on a killer show, let a dude know. And the thing Eduardo thought I was going to recommend was Diablo 4. Diablo. Which now you're saying you would not recommend Diablo 4. I don't know that I would or wouldn't. Interesting. The thing is, it's... This is my this is my gripe with Diablo 3 as well. Diablo games at their core are about just figuring out the best way to kill monsters really fast. Yeah. And once you do that, that's the game doesn't change. Yeah. They do add stuff once you get to the end, but the core mechanic of the game is still find the better gear, put it on, change your build to adapt to the better gear, kill the things faster. Oh, you're killing things too fast now? Increase the difficulty. Repeat the loop. That's the whole point of the game. And yeah. it is fun. You can make it challenging by putting yourself in those higher difficulty situations. But it is very, very, very repetitive. Yeah, for sure. And it's hard sometimes to see. I know that a lot of this, I, I'm not asking for pay to win. I would never ask for pay to win. But it is hard to see sometimes... You know, you see these builds that are out there for these characters that do all this really powerful shit, and you just don't get the loot. You just for you're forever grinding away at this thing that you never get. Or by the time you do get it, they've nerfed that build, so it doesn't even matter anymore. And so, I don't know if I would or wouldn't recommend it because for some people that that repetitive grindy nature just works for them, mm-hmm. and for others. Uh, it's more of like a, I can do this for a little while and then I don't want to do it anymore. Sure. Um, and I'm, I don't know if I'm starting to get to that stage cause there's still enough stuff to do yeah. in the game that I haven't done yet. I do want to at least clear all the dungeons. Mm-hmm. I just finished doing all the side quests. I have some gripe with the side. You've done all of the side quests. I've done all of the side. Holy quests. shit. Dude. I have some gripe with that because, because they didn't put any sort of log of what side quests you've done. There are a few achievements in the game that are, if you do this specific side quest line, we'll give you an achievement, which is cool. But like, for example, Chris, there's like a zone, let's say, for example, that has 45 side quests. That's what it'll tell you. It'll say zero out of 45 if you haven't done any. And as you do them, it increases, right? One, two, three, or 45. There are certain side quests that only spawn after you've done other certain side quests mm-hmm. and not in a chain order. As in, you've completed this chain and this chain and now this dude over here in this completely separate region will give you a side quest mm. only if you've done these. And you can't see where they are on the map unless you're close to them in that region. So you can't be over here and see the exclamation point on the map to know to go over here to pick that quest up. Ah. That's not so bad because there's waypoints in the game that you Mm -hmm. can travel to to quickly kind of check on the regions. The ones I'm not a fan of are there are certain mobs that live in the game area in specific areas or things you can loot like ore veins or plants or dead bodies you 
loot those things and you might get an item that starts a quest. Oh. But if since there's no way to log what quests you've already done, if you're trying to finish up the rest of the quest on the map without having recorded it in some way, you just have to go fucking check every flower mm-hmm. forever wow. until it does or doesn't drop the quest item. As a completionist, that would drive me insane. It was rough. You know it's, what I did? It's also a tough game to be a completionist because there is... A lot yeah. to oh, yeah. complete. And oh, loot, yeah. I loot mean, I'm drops a game all like the that time. Right too, yeah. So I, I feel you. If you're the kind of person that has to pick up every piece of loot that drops, that's another thing that I have a hard time with Diablo. Because mm. you have to, your inventory fills up so fast. It, it's oh, so yeah. quick, and you yeah. get more loot the long, like the more the higher difficulty you're playing on, and yeah. you just have to ignore it, which is very hard for me to do. You I want to pick it up. Portal back. You can, but when you do that on the higher difficulty stuff, you've now taken a dungeon that's already going to take you 20 minutes. Now it's going to take you 40. That's because fair. you have to kill 10% of the enemies, portal back, sell all of your stuff. Yeah. And now you're taking 10 trips instead of one. Yeah, that's fair. You know? So I don't know if I recommend it. I am having fun with it. I'm going to keep playing it. The first season starts soon. Uh, you have to make a new character uh, for every season, which makes sense specifically for Diablo, but I've never done a season before, so I don't know mm. how much I'm going to like having two-thirds of my map progress deleted. We'll see. It won't. No, it will. They're keeping the statue of Liliths and they're uh, keeping the renown. The renown, but they're not keeping the actual stuff that you have to do. So every new character you create, zero out of however many side quests. Uh, zero out of however many. Uh, well, not zero because you get to keep the major town waypoints, yeah, yeah, yeah. but six out of however many there are waypoints. Sure, sure. Those are all going to go away. So a chunk of your map progress leaves. Damn. Yeah. So I'm never going to do another side quest again because I've already done them all once. <laughs> sure, sure. That makes sense. All right. Well, I'm sad. To, I'm not sad to hear because like... I, it's not that I don't like it. Well, and also you've gotten... You've played a lot of Diablo. I have. I have played a lot of Diablo. So I'm like, enjoying it. And I'm having a good time, but I do agree that the end game needs some figuring out. Yeah. I think that the first 50 levels are very fun. Yeah, yeah especially yeah. when you're going to the campaign and I think to me that is the game and for a lot of people that's going to be good enough for them. They're yeah. going to get to the first 50 levels and be like, "All right, <laughs> I've experienced Diablo." And then they're going to leave. <laughs> that makes it extra tough because after you complete the I mean, this is a choice, but after you complete the game, any subsequent character you make can skip it. Yep. And just do the map stuff instead. Yep. <laughs> so uh yeah. No, I, I want to be clear. It's not that I don't like the game. Yeah. It's that I don't know if it's something that I would recommend, it, which is weird to follow after saying, everyone go watch Black Mirror. <laughs> 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 because Black Mirror is so fucked up. But I, I, I feel like, like chances are, with the description you gave the game, listeners will now know if that is something that they would like to try or not. Sure. Yeah. I think that, that that was a fair way to talk about something with the caveat that it is not for everybody. You know what I you know what it might also be? I did pick the character that is said to be the toughest grind. Yep. Yes, uh, it is. There are five characters you can choose from. Some of them have kits that just are better for dealing with groups of mobs without being gear dependent. Mm-hmm. And I picked probably the most gear dependent class I could pick. Yes, you did. So that might, I picked that class and then I yeah, switched. That might be on me, but... It was also nostalgia because the class I'm talking about is Druid, and I played a Druid in Diablo 2, and I really liked it then. So 
I couldn't. It was like I need this for me. You sure, know, it's I feel that living in my teenage brain. Okay, well, since everybody else did two recommendations, yeah. I'll do two recommendations. Yeah. Lost time and all. Yeah. Here's my first recommendation. Go adopt an animal. There's a Aww. little guy sitting next to Chris right now that we adopted earlier today. His name is Zuko. He's a little baby chocolate lab, and he was rescued from somewhere in, I think it was like South Georgia or something, North Georgia, maybe. Um, Alabama. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, okay. Somewhere in that like southern region where there are lots and lots of these animals and there are not enough homes. So there are people that bring them over here where there are a lot more people, people looking for animals, and you can rescue them. And so he's a little, he's a little guy over here. He's taking a little nap, but uh, <laughs> he's the newest member of our family, and we're really excited to have him. So go out and adopt a pet. All these animals, they need homes. If you can, don't do it irresponsibly. Yeah, absolutely. Don't be an irresponsible pet owner or I will find you. (laughs) That is a threat. This is not the way you want to meet Peaches. No. (laughs) My second recommendation is going to be for another new video game that just released. It's called... I know what it is. Final Fantasy 16. Oh, I was oh, Let I was me wrong. tell you something. They're going to say Street Fighter 6. That's what I was let me, guessing. Let me tell you, I have not played Street Fighter 6 yet. That's blowing oh, okay. my mind. So I Street Fighter 6 and Diablo 4 came out like right around the same time, and I felt like I needed to pick one because they're both like lifestyle games. They're <laughs> games that you just play all the time. This it's, is like an insane month of video games. Let me let me let me tell you something. All right. So we had <laughs> Jedi Survivor come out, uh-huh. right? Which I haven't even gotten yet because I was like I will stop playing as soon as Zelda comes out, the, so I need to wait. These are 2023 <laughs> games, uh, and um, it's a it's a shorter ish list, but list it's insane. Jedi Survivor, Street Fighter Six, Diablo Four, Tears of the Kingdom, Final Fantasy Sixteen, Spider Man Two, mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat One, Super Mario RPG, Super Mario Wonder, Tekken Eight, Starfield. Like it is. The, and that's just a few. The Mario games are coming out this year. This yeah, year. They just announced them like three days ago. Mario Wonder comes out the same day as, what was it? Star- Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man oh, 2. yeah. <laughs> Insane. Uh, there are way too many Spider-Man games. 2. <laughs> I know. Sorry. What's going to happen is we're going to get both games, and Angela and I are just going to be switching off. Uh, oh, fair. you want to play Mario now? Okay, yeah, I'll take over Spider-Man. You for know a bit. how much <laughs> I love both of those, but I, I have the Mario tattoo, so. Yeah, yeah. I gotta be. I think I gotta, I'd pick Spider Man because, yeah. like, I feel like Mario. I need to know what's happening in Spider Man. That's fair. Mario's not gonna have a story, right? Mario. If, if it does, you don't care if it's spoiled. Mario right, will right. be there yeah. when I get to it. <laughs> I need to know what's going yeah. on in Spider Man, yeah. and I'm so excited for Mario RPG because that for a long time that the original Super Nintendo one was like my favorite game well, of all time. I've never played it, and I've always Same. wanted to. Yeah. But like, how do I put this? The game looks like a butt. <laughs> so I didn't you know I don't have like as much yeah you went back and played Final Fantasy 7 I played some of Final Fantasy that looks like 7. a butt I played with a bunch of mods that made it look a lot less like a butt okay uh, Mario RPG looked great for its time sure, but it sure. also was a Super Nintendo game that released I think the same time the N64 came out oh it was wow. late in the yeah it was very late alright so speaking of RPGs yes, Final yeah, yeah. Fantasy 16 uh, I am only, I would say, including the prologue that I did, I'm about five hours in. So far, it's incredible. It's so fun. 
Um, the story is very, very engaging. I was on. I was playing last night. I was on the edge of my seat, being like, "Oh my god, what? What's happening? No way!" And um, so, for those that don't know, Final Fantasy, every iteration of Final Fantasy, every numbered game, is a completely different story. They have a lot of the same elements, so they'll have a lot of like. There's a character named Sid mm-hmm. in every game. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got chocobos in every game, but. The worlds are different. The rules are different. Everything is different with everything, every single game. In this game, all of the summons that are normally in Final Fantasy 16 are these things called icons. And there are like people that can basically turn into the summons. Oh, that's and cool. there are only a certain number of them. And you play out a few of these. They're, they're like fights between these two things. Uh, the first one you'll see is a fight between Phoenix and Ifrit which is a very, very, very cool fight. Oh, the two icons are fighting. You're, yes. not, you're not battling them? No, you are... I, I don't want to spoil Fair. too much, yeah, but yeah. You, are, you are fighting... I mean, and, and the very first thing you do is you fight. Do that fight. Oh, um, okay. But yeah, it's like a kaiju fight almost. Oh. Like it is... <laughs> uh, it's very, very cool. The story is incredibly engaging. It's very clearly, in my opinion inspired by game of thrones okay it is it seems like a very clear source of inspiration for this final fantasy it is very dark it is more gruesome than i think any final fantasy has ever been and i wouldn't call it very gruesome but comparatively to all of the other final fantasies it's fairly gruesome Hmm. now that's not to say that some final fantasies don't have dark stories final fantasy 10 has a very dark story yeah uh but this one is. What do you mean? What? what? <laughs> it's not that dark. It's pretty. It's a pretty dark. Story. It's not. This is pretty dark. It's yeah. JRPG dark. <laughs> I would say this one is very dark. Okay. Uh, the combat. I said that with immediately the intention to say the story of Final Fantasy X, and I was like, maybe I shouldn't. Uh, it's kind of an <laughs> old. <laughs> that is the darkest thing you can think of. Yeah. Uh, Final Fantasy 16, the combat is a departure for the series. So the, it hasn't had turn-based combat in a little while, but they had sort of been doing this like Final Fantasy 15 style combat, Blech. which is bad, not engaging <laughs> in my opinion. Not fun. Final Fantasy 16's combat was done by one of the developers of Devil May Cry. What? And <laughs> let me tell you, it is way better it is Hmm. very good it's a lot more interesting i will say they it starts off very simple so it starts off i wouldn't say it's similar to final fantasy 15 but it starts off simple and then as you're playing it adds elements and adds things and the complexity then starts to open up as you play i think that's good if they're gonna stray away from the turn-based system of the the first several games you might as well go far enough to make it not some stupid hybrid right yeah, what was the 15 combat like? bad oh. it was you <laughs> it was it was kind of like you basically just press square over and over and over again yeah and yeah. Th- the game sort of played itself it almost oh. felt like which was weird because the game before that which is not the the non-mmo game before that so which was 13, 13 yeah. used a system called paragon i think it was called mm. where you assign roles to the characters and then no paradigm i'm sorry not Mm. paragon paradigm you assign one of six roles to the characters 
So one of the roles was like an attacker. I'm gonna. I'm not saying the actual names. I'm saying like what that does. Sure. There was like an attacker, a defender, a healer, a buffer, a debuffer, and uh, a, a something else. No, magic attack, physical attack, tank, healer, debuffer, buffer. Okay. Sure. Those are the six roles. And you say like, all right, I want lightning to be an attack, a physical attacker. I want snow to be a tank. And I want hope to be a healer. You set that up as a preset. And then when the battle starts, you don't actually press anything. You just switch between all the presets you've created. So these guys are auto battling as a attacker tank and a healer. Well, now I need them all to tank because I can see that the enemy I'm fighting is going to do a big damage thing. So I'm going to switch the paradigm to three tanks. Then the boss does that move, and you're like, all right, let's go back to attacking. So you switch the paradigm to all three attackers. And the whole point of the game was basically being like a football coach because oh, you would oh, set up right. these plays, essentially, yeah. and just go between them. That's interesting. Final Fantasy XIII 2 was better than thirteen because you basically played Pokemon while you were playing Final Fantasy. You had two characters that were like humans, and your third character slot was whatever monster you caught in the wild that you wanted on your team. Oh, that's cool. So I think 13-2 is much better. But anyway. Final Fantasy 16 does abandon the party system. So you don't have a traditional party anymore. You're basically just controlling the guy that you have. You do have people with you. They fight automatically independently. Do they so actually do damage? They do, but okay. you don't control any of it. Yeah. You also have a dog that's always with you. Aww. So and you can pet the dog. Aww. Um, Get 10 out of 10. There we go. Now, if anybody has any inkling for playing Final Fantasy 16, you're in luck. There's a demo that takes you through the prologue of the game, and please just play that demo. Just play the demo. Let me know what you think, because the demo ends in a really wild way, and I like. I would really like to talk to people about it. because Is it it's still available even though the game's out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Does your progress carry over if you decide to get the game? Yes, after? it does. Okay, that's always a plus. Yes, it does. So uh, when I started the game last night, I was able to start right from the progress that I had. Which one? Not last night, the night before I started. But Gumby anyway. again, two times mentioned in one show, uh -huh. who played Final Fantasy 15 all the way through and yeah. actually enjoyed it. Yeah. Said that the demo of Final Fantasy 16 was better than the whole of Final <laughs> Fantasy 15. Wow. <laughs> Uh, another really strong part, which will tell you why this is a really good Final Fantasy game, a very strong part of this game, the voice acting. Ooh. Very good voice acting, oh, nice. which for a JRPG is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and the English version was the version developed. Oh, mm. interesting. People... Okay. Uh, what the developer said was to, if you're in Japan, to play the game in English with Japanese subtitles. Oh, interesting. So, like, reverse anime type, yeah. you know? like. Uh, huh. So, yeah, so the game was developed being in English. I don't remember the parts of 15 that I played voice acting being bad. I think one of the characters was maybe a little bit too dramatic. I wouldn't say that the other ones are bad. This yeah. one is good voice acting. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, that one's probably like neutral. This is good. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, highly recommend. Man, this recommendation section took a really long time. Just as long as the podcast. I know. Yeah. <laughs>
That's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so and join our many fine patrons over at patreon.com slash assemblyrequired. Join our patron-exclusive Discord. Come chat with us. We are trying to be a little bit more active in there now that we're back recording. Um, huge, huge, huge shout-out to our Avengers-level patrons, Brian, Riley, Adrian, and Michael. Thank you for continuing your support, even through our little hiatus. We really appreciate it. If you want to email the show, you can do so. Assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. You can find the show on Twitter at assemblycast. Uh, you can find some of us on Twitter individually at abcdeduardo one for myself and at philkid3 for Robbie. And twitch.tv slash speeches, which he's on there every once in a while. So go check him <laughs> out. That's going to do it for myself, <laughs> for Chris, for Peaches. We love you 3000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Bobbly, bobbly. Pop, pop a chin chick. <laughs> You might not know this, but if an Italian doesn't eat at least one thing that is bread and cheese and garlic, you know, every couple days we do start to lose our power. That makes oh, sense. Shit. That's yeah. why your blood is so garlicky. Yeah. Yeah. If you start keeping the garlic away from Chris in like an hour, he's going to be like, hey, what, where's the garlic in here? <laughs> See, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing an Italian icon on my shirt. Hey. <laughs> he's also from Brooklyn that's now. How, that's how they suppress their powers. Oh, they, okay. they eat the garlic to suppress. Uh, you know, he'll be making his hand gesture all day. Hey. You yeah, start. It's called. It's called the process called deguidification. Oh yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was wondering why there was a day that you were hungry last week and I started hearing like faint background music. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever noticed how no vampire stories happen in Italy? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The Italians are the natural enemy of vampires. Yeah. That's true. I mean, that's just a fact.